guys welcome back to this special bonus episode i um if you're coming from the last episode uh this is basically a little bonus feature from that if you haven't listened to that episode that's totally fine you can honestly do both um or do one or the other this is basically just um there was so much important information in tanya's book about uh domestic abuse lots of statistics and um just general information some of it is well actually a lot of it is stuff i've gone over before but um i think it's never it's never too much information you know when it comes to this thing so i just wanted to go through because i thought it was really important and i didn't want to add it to the other episode because it was already pretty long um so yeah this is just going to be a little quick one but if you want to listen to some facts then this is the one for you and again I've linked her book and everything in the bio as per usual so let's get right down to it I'm just going to read directly from the book um so this is all in Tanya's words and not my own when I asked Rakhna Kar the executive director of Daya Houston an organization for South Asian victims of abuse for her definition of the issue she responded Intimate partner violence is a pattern of abusive behavior used to maintain power and control over a partner. The abuse can be physical, emotional, verbal, sexual or financial, to name a few. Intimate partner violence can occur in any kind of intimate relationship. Intimate violence is a subset of domestic and intimate partner violence. It happens during sex and is entwined with other patterns of abuse. What makes intimate violence so insidious is that the victim might not immediately realize it's wrong. Domestic violence is the number one reason for calls to 911. Isn't that crazy? The number one reason. However, while victims want to be free from violence, they might hesitate to seek help from police in order to avoid getting caught up in the criminal justice system, which is especially fraught for people of colour. Women are blamed for staying and blamed for fighting back. They're blamed for getting into the relationship in the first place. As I opened up to friends, ones I'd known for years, they told me for the first time details of their own experiences of being abused. One whose boyfriend had broken her rib, another whose ex-husband would push her hard against the wall in front of their children. A young director in her 20s, whom I was mentoring, told me about a housemate who had gotten drunk and assaulted her. One friend had been dependent on her husband to drive her. She knew how to drive, but he had made sure that she didn't get a chance to do it. They'd had only one car and lived in a town where there was no other way to get around. The physical abuse had usually happened in the car when he literally had control of the keys. After she had gotten him arrested during an especially violent fight, he had told her from jail that he'd given her address and phone number to fellow inmates who were murderers and soon to be released. She began to sleep with a butcher knife under her bed. I couldn't believe that the strong positive women across from me had endured such horror and fear. The stories of my friends involved varying degrees of violence, but what united them was the trauma inflicted, the violence not reciprocated, the fear, the self-blame. Many people would rather that women suffer than speak their truths. I remember numerous times I was able to evade threatening sexual situations with a man. Once when I was walking near my high school, a man in a light blue suit standing in the bushes pulled down his pants and exposed himself to me. When I was in my 20s, a director insisted on seeing me naked before casting me. When I was in my 30s, at a bar, a famous married actor said nonchalantly that he wanted me to go come to his hotel room and sit on his face. 
In February 2018, I attended a conversation hosted by PEN America about the Me Too movement. Abusers such as PBS talk show host and co-anchor of CBS This Morning, Charlie Rose, and WNYC radio show host John Hockenberry thrived for decades despite many people knowing about their depravity. How can we make victims feel that they will be protective and it is safe to come forward? We have to dismantle thousands of years of patriarchy. With the advent of the coronavirus pandemic in late 2019, early 2020, domestic violence was in the news more than I had ever witnessed before. The United Nations Population Fund, UNFPA, estimated that there had been a 20% increase globally and that every three months of lockdown could result in 15 million more cases of domestic abuse than would normally be expected. The most dangerous place in the world for a woman is her own home. Being quarantined with an abusive partner poses greater risks. Victims ordinarily wait to be by themselves before they seek help. They wait for their abuser to go to work. They secretly reach out to friends. They look for openings where they don't have childcare obligations. All those options close down. Children who were unable to attend school or daycare were also at greater risk. My heart broke when I thought of the children who longer had the opportunity to avoid seeing the violence at home or who might be victims of the violence themselves. I always say this to this day, like it gives me chills when I think about um, possibly being in that situation during the pandemic lockdown. Like I often think like, oh my God, can you imagine? And my friend said it to me at the time too. She was like, I was thinking about the, you the other day and I was thinking like, imagine if you were in that situation, like what would you do? It would be so much worse for you. Um, I don't know that I would have survived it, to be honest with you. Among the takeaways from my piece were that self-isolation could lead to a decrease in the ability of victims to seek immediate safety assistance and that friends and loved ones could be a lifeline to those victims. In addition, a rise in domestic violence would happen in the United States as had already occurred in other countries. Early in the global pandemic in China, domestic violence reports nearly doubled. Spain reported an 18% increase in domestic violence calls. In France, the police reported an increase of about 30%. Those governments tried to combat the crisis by instituting code words at pharmacies and turning hotels into shelters. That's amazing. Canada announced that as part of its COVID-19 economic response plan, it would contribute up to 40 million to shelters and sexual assault centres, with 10 million of these funds dedicated to Indigenous shelters. Mexico took no steps to address the rise in domestic abuse, even though almost a thousand women had been murdered in the first three months of 2020, an 8% spike from the same time last year. Russia, which had decriminalised domestic violence in 2017, continued stalling a bill to recriminalise it. During my research for the New York Times piece, I spoke with Katie Ray Jones, the Chief Executive Officer of the National Domestic Violence Hotline. She talked about how an abusive partner could leverage COVID-19 to create fear, isolation and manipulation. One caller to the hotline spoke about her husband forcing her to wash her hands repeatedly until they were raw and bleeding. Another partner had threatened to kick a woman out of the house to increase her exposure to the virus. Meanwhile, cities around the world, cities around the country, such as Seattle, Washington and San Antonio, Texas, were reporting increases of more than 20% in domestic violence calls. Sales of firearms were rising at alarming rates, with about 2 million guns sold in March. That is insane. Perpetrators of gun violence are often perpetrators of domestic violence. 
Gloria Steinem, in a conversation with Diane von Furstenberg, uploaded to YouTube on May 20th, 2020, said in reference to increases in domestic violence, we're never going to have a democratic, peaceful society until we have democratic, peaceful homes. We haven't enough addressed the basic problem, which is that men live in a society which tells them they have to dominate in order to be masculine. That's so important. In 2018, a Thomson Reuters survey placed the United States as the 10th most dangerous place in the world for women. The only Western country on the list, India being number one. Intimate partner violence has been linked to a wide range of negative health outcomes, including depression, post-traumatic stress and other anxiety disorders, sleep difficulties, eating disorders and suicide attempts. I had many of those. It has also been linked to enormous economic setbacks. According to a 2018 study published in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, the lifetime economic costs associated with medical services for IPV-related injuries, lost productivity from paid work, criminal justice and other costs was $3.6 trillion. The cost of IPV over a victim's lifetime was $103,767 for women and $23,414 for men. That's a really big difference the impact of intimate violence disproportionately affects women of color african americans make up about 13 percent of the general population but they make up about 40 percent of the homeless population the majority of homeless women are survivors of domestic violence african american and hispanic women are more likely to be incarcerated than are white women the majority of incarcerated women are survivors of domestic violence these facts are not a coincidence. Calling the police on an abuser could be an extremely difficult step for women of colour to take. As Crenshaw explains, women of colour are often reluctant to call the police, a hesitancy likely due to a general unwillingness among people of colour to subject their private lives to the scrutiny and control of a police force that is frequently hostile. The data on women of colour and violence are devastating with regard to American Indian and Alaskan Native women. According to a 2016 study by the National Institute of Justice, 55.5% have experienced physical violence by an intimate partner higher than any other demographic group. Those numbers are so frightening. The cultural critic Elizabeth Mendez Berry told Tanya with regard to awareness of intimate violence, so many people have been silent about their experiences for so long. Now that they're talking, it's an avalanche. I do believe in the power of telling our stories, but I also think that without profound changes in how people view women and what they believe we deserve, we won't transform the society. We need to shift people's worldviews, and particularly those of young men and women, so they can have the beautiful, healthy, pleasurable relationships they deserve. In the wake of Me Too and Time's Up, we have to look at how we raise our children, how we change the way we condition sexuality in our children and how our culture has evolved. Jennifer Friedman has spoken with me about the importance of raising boys to be feminists. Boys have to go through training about how to treat women and other men with respect and kindness. Girls have to go through training about how to stand up for themselves and how to avoid situations where they might be harassed, abused and endangered. These situations begin on the playground. As a friend said, we are taught that if a boy hits you, it means he likes you. If it teases you, he likes you. It starts right there. But how can any of us feel truly protective if our government doesn't seem to care about the treatment of women? As a survivor's advocate, Rachna Carr pointed out to me, 
the White House under Trump quietly changed the definition of domestic violence to only include harms that constitute a felony or misdemeanor crime. This would ignore psychological, emotional, financial and verbal abuse and control. I'm worried that we're going backward and that we need bipartisan leadership to merely get us back to where we used to be. By contrast, Joe Biden, while a senator, wrote the Violence Against Women Act, VAWA, which included setting up a national hotline and funding shelters and crisis centres. During his 2020 presidential campaign, Biden pledged to enhance and reauthorise the law. Um, that is one thing that I will always, 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 always appreciate Joe Biden. For his whole entire career, he's always campaigned um, for violence against women. And I appreciate that about him so much. So getting back to writing, Tanya's thought about all the advice that she wished she'd been given and what she wanted to give others who were being victimized. So she made a list. Document what is happening, include dates and correlate them with supporting material like email exchanges and photos. I always, 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 always say this. Every piece of evidence that I ever documented and kept, I needed every single piece of it. Tell someone, ideally more than one person, whom you trust not to tell anyone else. Figure out whom you can speak with who will know what to do. Know that you are not alone and you're not crazy. It's okay to feel traumatized, but please don't feel ashamed. If your partner is not willing to acknowledge the problem and get professional help, get away. Your partner is probably not going to change. Don't worry about your abuser. Focus on yourself. You are the most important part of this equation. Last, I would tell all women what Elizabeth Mendez-Berry has told me. Put pleasure first. Learn about your own body and how to please yourself on your terms, not somebody else's. Develop a coven of feminist friends who will ride for you and challenge you. Lovingly tell you the hard truths when you don't want to hear them. That's all really important information. Information that I've spoken about before, but worth saying it a million times. So here she's going to give, again, things that I've gone through um in my earlier episodes but you know it's different ways of wording things and again like the more you talk about things the more important um the more likely the information is to to get to the right people so signs of intimate partner violence the following is adapted from bj kling and dorchen a Leinholtz interviewing and assisting domestic violence survivors in lawyer's manual on domestic violence representing the victim jealousy and possessiveness Jealousy and possessiveness are two of the most common characteristics of abusers. These may initially be interpreted by the victim as signs of her partner's passion and devotion, though it soon becomes apparent that they underlie his acts of domination and control. The jealousy can take many different forms. An abuser may use GPS to monitor a victim, accuse her of having affairs, call the victim frequently, send constant text message, Messages dropped by her place of work unexpectedly, prevent her from performing her job effectively, check her car's mileage or ask friends or neighbours to watch her. Controlling behaviour. An abuser will initially attribute his controlling behaviour to concern for her well-being. The situation will progressively worsen. The abuser may ultimately monitor her every move, assume control of all finances and or prevent the victim from coming and going freely. Quick involvement. Almost immediately in their relationship, the abuser will pressure the victim to commit to him and will make her feel guilty for wanting to slow the pace. The abuser expects the partner to meet all his needs, build her world around him and submerge her identity in his. Manipulative behaviour 
Abusers begin by appearing to be devoted, dependable partners. Once a victim is entrapped, the abuser may manipulate the very agencies the victim can turn to for help, such as criminal justice, child welfare, and judicial authorities. Often the abuser will succeed in having his victim investigated for child abuse or neglect, arrested for fabricated crimes, or tarred <coughs> excuse me, as an alienating parent. An abuser will also manipulate his children, persuading them that their mother is to blame for the families no longer living together or for their moving from their old neighborhood or school. Isolation. Abusers isolate their victims by severing the victim's ties to outside support and resources. They will create conflict with the victim's friends and family, forcing the victim to choose between them and him. The abuser may block the victim's access to use of a vehicle, work or telephone and internet service in the home. Any social contact becomes a threat. Blame and incessant criticism. The abuser is never at fault and never accepts responsibility for his actions, blaming others for his own shortcomings. He will blame the victim for almost anything, including his poor work performance, his bad relationships with other people, and above all, his violence toward her. Abusive and violent sex. This includes forcing unwanted sex, restraining partners against their will during sex, acting out fantasies in which the partner is helpless, initiating sex when the partner is asleep, or demanding sex when the partner is ill or tired. Verbal abuse. The epithets bitch and whore are staples among abusers, as are threats and obscenities. <clears throat> the language the abuser uses can be cruel and hurtful, including cursing, degrading, or insulting the victim, or putting down the victim's accomplishments. Rigid gender roles. Abusers often demand that their partners conform to traditional sex or gender roles. The victim is supposed to be passive, obedient, solicitous, attractive, a great cook who always has dinner on the table just when he's ready for it, and sexually available to him whenever he's in the mood. Many abusers move to control the family's finances and discourage or undermine their victims' educational and career aspirations. They maintain that marriage gives them full authority over the victim and the family. Dual personality, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Abusers often exhibit dif different personalities at different times, leaving the victims to tiptoe around them and guess which person they will get at any given moment. At times the abuser can be loving and at other times cruel. Past battery. A victim will often discover that the abuser's past relationships followed a pattern of abuse similar to hers. Threats of violence. These consist of any threat of physical force meant to control the partner. Breaking or striking objects. This behaviour is used as punishment, example breaking sentimental possessions or to terrorise the victim into submission. Cruelty to animals. An abuser will injure or even kill beloved family pets as a sign of his power as a threat of violence toward the family, or simply as an act of cruelty. Use of privilege. The abuser will use whatever leverage he has against the victim, including social status, financial status, male privilege, race privilege, immigration status, and knowledge of the victim's personal information, such as gender identity, sexual orientation, or religious status. So types of abuse and their effects. So types of abuse, physical abuse. Hitting, slapping, shoving, grabbing, pinching, biting, pulling hair, choking you or trying to suffocate you, preventing access to medical care, having easy access to weapons, forcing you to use alcohol or drugs, driving dangerously while you're in the car. Sexual abuse, holding you down during sex, forcing you to have sex or making you do other sexual acts unwillingly, forcing you to have sex after hurting you or when you are sick or tired, 
calling you sexual names or forcing you to dress in a certain way, assaulting your genital area or breasts, pressuring or demanding that you have sex with other people, forcing you to watch or act out pornography, taking sexual or pornographic photos of you and using them to manipulate your behaviour such as threatening to release them to friends and family or post them online. Emotional abuse. Name calling or insulting, acting jealous and not trusting you, humiliating you, making you question your perception of reality within a relationship by using statements such as that never happened or it's all in your head, aka gaslighting, cheating on you repeatedly and then blaming you for the infidelity, damaging your relationships with your children. Economic abuse, withholding access to your money, refusing to let you go to work or school, forcing you to mount up debt to hurt your credit, refusing you access to money for the necessities such as food and medical care, preventing you from viewing bank accounts, signing your name on financial instruments such as rent, mortgages, car loans and other documents without your knowledge or against your will, allowing you to work but confiscating your paycheck, giving you a limited budget and forcing you to account for every penny spent. Psychological abuse, intimidating you, isolating you from other people, threatening to harm people you care about or pets, threatening to take your children, stalking you, following, sending unsolicited letters, messages and gifts, destroying or vandalizing your property, threatening to harm your family members or friends, controlling your reproductive freedom by forcing sex, denying you access to contraceptives or abortions. Digital abuse, controlling your passwords, searching your phone often, including texts and calls, monitoring you with any technology such as gps insulting you in social media status updates engaging in cyber sexual abuse also known as revenge porn spoofing setting up a false online profile of you intended to destroy your reputation installing spyware on your devices to intercept communication and personal information sending defamatory messages about you through email or social networking websites legal abuse Falsely reporting you to law enforcement or child welfare agencies, threatening deportation, initiating retaliatory cases such as filing orders of protection, suing for custody and making frivolous claims. After the relationship has ended, gaining access to you by engaging in litigation, instituting legal proceedings that you cannot afford to fight. (coughs) Excuse me. So effects of abuse, the physical effects. Direct physical injury, bruises, broken bones, lacerations, traumatic brain injury, vision and hearing impairment, damage to or loss of teeth, other physical effects, chronic headaches, pervasive body aches, feelings of dizziness, insomnia and disrupted or abnormal sleep, long-term physical effects, chronic illnesses such as heart disease in middle-aged and old survivors, diabetes, autoimmune disorders and stroke. Psychological effects, high levels of anxiety, depression, Minimization or denial, numbness or flattened effect, memory loss, dissociation, shame, self-blame, self-medication, drug or alcohol abuse, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, intrusion, emotional reactions, flashbacks, images, nightmares, avoidance, dissociation, minimizing, numbing, denial, arousal, anger, difficulty, concentrating or sleeping. Lethality indicators. Increase in severity or frequency of violence, use of or threats to use weapons, threats to kill you, children and or self, abuse of drugs or alcohol, stalking, choking or forced sex, unemployment and separation. So those are all really important things to know. Um, If you tick off any of those boxes, even if it's just one, even if it's just one tiny thing, 
that you think, oh, that can't mean that I'm being abused. My friend, it is going to lead in that direction. And please get out now while you can. Uh, if you have any questions, as usual, reach out to me on social media. I'm at Mangogs on there, as usual. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, found it informative. Again, I really apologize for my voice today. It's just, it's a lot. I've got like a cough coming on. I'm hoarse. Um, I'm about to go drink some nice tea now and hopefully that'll make me feel a little better. I have a million things to do before I go to Ireland. Um, I'm trying to get everything done today because I work right up until I go. So fingers crossed for that. I'm really glad I'm getting out these episodes um, better than I did last year. Um, I'm doing well so far. It's like February and this is what, my fourth, fifth episode now. So I'm doing well, guys. Be proud of me, okay? All right. Thanks so much for listening once again. And if you need any help, um, contact thehotline.org as usual. I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for your love and support.